Medicine's an art form. Make medicine. Motherfucking rape medicine. Rape I'm a huge fan of medicine you make. I think what you're doing over there is fantastic. I just love the whole thing between the hip hop, which you know I'm a fan of, but the fact that it's mixed with motivation, with comedy, with medicine, and the whole thing just feels like art. And there's nothing else quite like it anywhere on the internet. So uh, it's good to hear from you. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed on no other place but here on Anchor. So the history, present, and future of marijuana as both a medicinal and recreational drug is a fucking roller coaster. So to help us make sense of all things cannabis, I interviewed a doctor that's appropriately known as the cannabinologist. Cannabis, marijuana, is traditional medicinal plant. It's about 37 million years old on planet Earth. It evolved somewhere in India, China, Central Asia region, around the same time that the Himalaya mountain range was being formed. That's where the Indian subcontinent collided into Asia. And the reason I tell you that is because cannabis had to survive in an environment that was getting higher and higher in elevation every year. It's the highest, tallest mountain range on Earth. It had to adapt to the increasing UV radiation and sunlight, so it started to produce quite a bit of chemicals in its flowers, resinous flowers. And that's probably where the terpenes and, and cannabinoids and flavonoids, these compounds that are medically treasurable in cannabis, they probably evolved in that type of environment all those uh, tens of millions of years ago. And so there's tons of genetic diversity in cannabis, tons of varieties. Uh, as we are becoming more scientifically thoughtful and chemically thoughtful about how we want to utilize cannabis, we uh, are interested in the cannabinoid class. And there are maybe about 112, 115 naturally occurring cannabinoids in, in the cannabis female plant resin. But the two that we've studied the most closely and carefully are THC and CBD. Those are acronyms for tetrahydrocannabinol and cannabidiol. That's Dr. Sunil Kumar Agarwal, a.k.a. the cannabinologist. What you a weed college He's a hospice and palliative care doctor that practices near Seattle, Washington. I went to UW um, for my MD, PhD, and now I'm working in a community hospital system called multi-care just about 30 35 miles south of the city his journey to this career of easing the suffering of the dying is not your typical one since he was basically led there by a plant that plant was of course cannabis you know i really believe the the science i was reading and i felt like you know i have a chemistry degree from berkeley and one of my early career aspirations was to be a chemist you know or some kind of organic chemist or something when i learned about pharmacology and receptors uh, how you know it's like a lock and key it's very specific you know and it's, it's amazing when you think about the atomic level that that's happening on and when i found out that there's actually like these receptors that are everywhere in the body 10 times more prevalent than opioid receptors in the brain and they're in the immune system etc cetera, etc cetera, and that these cannabinoids from the plant partially agonize them in a very nice way it's like okay well that i get it and oh and this this immune this system you know regulates mood appetite memory inflammation pain perception even bone growth by the way you should look into that sunil got degrees in both chemistry and philosophy at UC Berkeley in the late 90s before going to medical school at the University of Washington. So, so what specifically did you uh, work on in, in your PhD? Is that kind of how you got uh, involved in the cannabis research or is that completely like a separate thing? Well, uh, I, I did get back into it through that lens. Um, I, I did my PhD dissertation on the, uh, the medical geography of cannabinoid botanicals 
in Washington State. Uh, that was the title. Subtitle was Access, Delivery, and Distress. And I was looking at um, basically the medical cannabis system in the state of Washington. I looked at health, and I also looked at like psychosocial distress related to the conflict between state federal law and basically how, how patients dealt with the distress of the whole situation. While he was an undergrad at Berkeley, Sunil discovered that marijuana wasn't a horribly dangerous thing, and he wanted to study the fuck out of it. He's been studying it and fighting for its legalization for over a decade now. You know, it didn't matter to me, like, any, like, crazy association people had with stoners or, like, stupid people. I, I saw what's been happening a lot with the cannabis stuff is, is just starting to shed light on this underground, hidden, occult, secret handshake kind of business to this, like, okay, well, what's going on here? Where is it coming from? What are people using it for? Um, you know, what's, what, what's, what's, the, what's the big fuss about it? And, and, you know, not just, like, you know, Cheech and Chong movies, um, but really like story right. I mean my original interest in the cannabinoid space were through my uh, interest in chemistry and, and the brain and um, neuroscience in college I had uh, done some research in a lab which was uh, just a couple of floors down uh, from the lab which discovered the mechanism of, of cannabinoid signaling in the brain which was pretty cool at the time when I was you know in college but I wasn't when I tried to kind of get into that still did my MD PhD interviews um, uh, and, and tried to meet with lab researchers, it was just incredibly impossible to do anything clinical uh, research-wise because of the restrictions. As a medical student, Sunil told the crowd at the 2008 Seattle Hemp Fest, We have to change the way that people think about people and cannabis. We have to say that this is actually a staple of the earth and a basic medicine for a lot of people. He convinced the UW chapter of the med student group to the American Medical Association to support a resolution he had written in support of rescheduling cannabis. I did get the Student Association of the American Medical Association unanimously, nearly unanimously, call for review of the scheduling classification of marijuana and federal law. Uh, review and reclassify is what they said back then in, in 07. He presented the idea and his research to the AMA at its annual meeting in 2008. And we, we sent it to the full AMA, which finally voted on a slightly modified version of that in 09. The AMA agreed to study the issue for a year, and at its 2009 meeting, the country's largest physicians organization formally adopted a policy urging the federal government to reclassify or reschedule cannabis from its Schedule 1 status. Cannabis, which is safer than opioids, um, which you, you, you know you can overdose and die on, there's no way you can do that with cannabis, but that's a whole other story. Marijuana's company as a Schedule 1 drug, which is defined as a drug with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse, include drugs like heroin, LSD, ecstasy, and peyote, to name a few. For a frame of reference, Schedule 2 drugs include prescription drugs that are very involved in the current opioid epidemic. Drugs like Vicodin, Oxycontin, and Fentanyl. And what's amazing, Rich, is that you can go back to 1912, I think I saw a journal article in the St. Louis Medical Journal uh, where doctors were talking about saying, hey, you know, all these doctors are out there like trying to 
prescribe morphine for pain, but they really should be looking at the values of cannabis for pain management. <laughs> and you know, right, uh, right. It's, it's really amazing. Like this, this dynamic of uh, where we're going to go opioid direction or where we go cannabinoid direction. Um, you know, what's being talked about in in the medical literature. A hundred years ago, you kind of see what's happened with with the opioid route. Um, it's not just the opioids; it's the lack of other options and the heavy marketing that was done. Um, we, we kind of um, ignored this whole other system in the body that also manages pain. Pretty unequivocal evidence that cannabis has a pain relieving property. That the National Academy of Medicine uh, just put out a report in January, February of this year. They only looked at very specific studies that like met very high thresholds. And um, this is a fact. Cannabis relieves chronic pain. The fact that we know that and still do not have any system to even have various varieties of it available for pain patients, kind of every day that we don't do that, it's like we're doing a disservice. And when those patients finally do get cannabinoids, because I've seen them, the most common question and complaint people will say is like, how come you didn't tell me about this before? (laughs) Sunil's research and the published articles derived from his work helped convince the American Medical Association of the potential for medical uses of cannabis and led the organization to reverse previous policy and call for the rescheduling of cannabis so that more research could be conducted. When you look at other countries and how much further along they were on the research side of things with uh, with cannabis, like places like Israel, how and why has it, has it taken so long for the United States to, to catch up on that front? Is it just, you know, as Jay-Z says, politics as usual? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I do think we, we, we can't escape some of the classic American features of this um, prohibition. The association of cannabis with hippie culture, with anti-war protesting in the 60s and 70s, which tore apart the country in the Vietnam War protests, kind of created a lot of the divisions. And those divisions go back to race relations and Jim Crow laws. We have a big, crazy history with anything that like, touches on race and will be deep and complicated because of how many years we did that kind of stuff, which is different from other places, but it is unique in the American experience. And we really globalized marijuana prohibition, pushed it around the world, and we were not about to be the first ones to relinquish it. Interestingly enough, the Israel cannabinoid science boom, which has been going on for many years thanks to the work of Raphael Mashulam, who's a medicinal chemist who first isolated TV. He described the structure and isolated the first endocannabinoid in his lab. Huge contributions, Nobel Prize-worthy stuff. If, if the Swedish Nobel people had their act together, they'd be on the short list. His work was funded by the federal government, the U.S. federal government. Amazing. <laughs> Still gets funded, I think, funding from the NIH. So we've made those contributions, and we just haven't been able to enjoy the rewards, I guess, of our own science dollars. I was super pumped when Sunil agreed to be interviewed for Medicine Remixed. We had a fascinating conversation and really covered a lot of ground. He's a super smart and interesting and articulate guy. I asked him questions about how his family and the people around him reacted to his studying a very controversial drug at a time where it didn't have nearly the acceptance it has today. Cannabis was associated with like losers or people who like failed academically. So um, I thought, well, maybe by just being a little bit more vocal, I'm trying to leverage what privilege I may have been able to put together. Because I mean, just achieving whatever is not just somebody's hard work, having family that supports them and not having to like work extra jobs. And there's so many like things that, that make it possible to, I mean, also having an inculcated work ethic from, from my parents, I guess. They were actually the more, the bigger um, challenge for me. You know, my dad, who's also in medicine, 
um, and he's an immigrant, you know. That journey is, uh, I, I dedicated my dissertation to my family, so I, I always had them in my, you know, in my mind. And my dad, he worked for the VA hospital, federal government position. He's like, you know, doctors won't take you, they just, no one's going to take you seriously. <laughs> so he's like trying to give me this advice as they steer clear, keep your nose down, do stuff later on that, you know, once you're established, that was always his, you know, kind of risk aversion mentality. Except between 07 and 09, I told my dad, hey, you know, I got the largest group of medical students in the country, like also calling for this. He's like, oh, they're just medical students, you know, what do they mean? <laughs> They're, they're, yeah, they're not yeah. doctors, you know. So it's always like kind of, you know, that's not that's not good enough. But then I guess, you know, Gupta, Doctor Sanjay Gupta, your neurosurgeon. Yeah, Doctor Sanjay Gupta, you're a good dude and all, but why you gotta be so handsome and be a doctor and make my parents feel bad? I I got to see his show before he debuted it in in New York, uh -huh. a weed documentary that he made on the epileptic. Uh, Seizure, uh, Charlotte Figgy girl. Charlotte's condition got worse. 300 seizures a week, almost two every hour. She was not talking or moving, basically catatonic. As a last resort, doctors wanted to either prescribe a powerful veterinary drug used on epileptic dogs or put Charlotte in a medically induced coma so her brain and body could rest. For Paige, those were not good options, but maybe just maybe marijuana now was that was like whoa okay sanjay his brother's name is sunil you know and my brother's name is sanjay <laughs> there was there was oh, no okay. like a par like a little parallel universe thing going on exactly yeah yeah and you know and, and our come from similar parts of india and, and the, those kind of things were uh, you know i was like okay well this this guy is kind of like where my family's from or at least sim has some similar like he'll speak to them you know and um and so now you know it's you know my my mom's friends are asking me for advice you know stuff like that it's changed you know it's it, i think it's just what happens when you kind of on the edge a little bit is it is there a part of you that you know when you're uh your friends or, or family that previously were like haters of, of what you were doing is now when they come and ask you for advice about this stuff is there a part of you that's just like oh look who it is <laughs> no, 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 it's like I gotta put put back on my, you know, doctor. Part of the doctor's job is you know, become as you are. No troubles and you try to help them. But it, it's it's like my social medical geography hat, where I just kind of look at that cultural um, social evolution on this on this cannabinoid. It's just people really um, were kept in the dark for so long, and it's been an extremely successful campaign to demonize marijuana for decades. I mean, decades and decades, multiple generations. If you look in the history, it's always been a drug that has um, defied control. I just kind of, um, you know, it's not about me. I, I just happened to find a really interesting topic. I'm really, I wanted to go into medicine to be able to, you know, develop something new. And it just turns out that the new thing was something that was old, but with a new understanding of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's certainly been like a rediscovery. I, I think cannabis is going to have to sort of live in a social space, it's going to live in a medical pharmaceutical space, it's going to live in a holistic medicine space, yeah. integrative medicine. Yeah, yeah thanks, Ishan. Oh, cool. 
my son is here now. Uh, anything else that you want to ask me? Or we could totally wrap this up. I would love to do a round two sometime, and I'm, I'm definitely going to be keeping up with the work that you're doing. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. I look forward to it, man, and I hope to meet you soon. Likewise. Bye-bye, then. Big ups to Dr. Sunil Kumar Agarwal for all the work he's done and continues to do for the medical marijuana movement. You're listening to Medicine Remix only on A. Too bad, man. I just stopped smoking yesterday. I'm gonna get up out of here, man. Y'all stay up, man. Nice seeing y'all. I got the medicine. This is your boy Debunk. It's your boy Reese. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Medicine Remix. On no other place but here on Anchor. Uh, man, who lives in DC? Who lives? <laughs> Nice, nice, me too. I'm pretty excited. I think things are going good here. You guys know, last year we legalized weed. We did it. We legalized. Here's the law in DC. This is true. You can be caught with up to two ounces of weed and the police officer has to let you and your weed just walk away. That's the law in the nation's capital right now. It's fucking awesome. It does seem pretty obvious that the people who made that law don't actually smoke weed. (laughs) Right, because they're like, all right, I guess we have to legalize it. But we don't want people to smoke a lot of weed. (laughs) How much is a small amount of something? (laughs) An ounce or two ounces is a small amount. of weed for one single person to have all two Ziploc freezer bags full of marijuana. That's our reasonable limit. It's fucking cool. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's good that they legalize weed because like no one has ever OD'd on weed, ever. But if you smoke two ounces of it, you might be the first person in history. (laughs) to die from marijuana. It's a possibility. (laughs) I've been looking into this law, right? Um, I looked into like the footnotes. So here's the law. You can have weed, but you can't buy it and you can't sell it. (laughs) You have to like come across it. (laughs) You have to like trip over it on your way to work. (laughs) Would you look at that? Two Ziploc freezer bags full of marijuana right here on Connecticut Avenue. I can't. What are the chances? <laughs> that's gotta be, man, that's gotta be tough for for weed dealers who wanna follow the law. <laughs> right? Because, like, you can't buy and you can't sell. So, like, we have to come up with, like, a loophole. You're like, hey, man. Uh, here's that belated birthday present you texted me about yesterday. Uh, no strings attached. Just don't forget to donate to my nonprofit organization. $50. <laughs> A lot of weird Venmo transfers going on in DC right now. I'm just like, not weed. <laughs> Beep, boop, beep. 
I must say, I am quite fond of your Station Medicine Remix. Darling listeners out there would be wise to tune in. Only here on Anchor. Beep boop beep.